Welcome back, folks. It is episode 61 of the Pay to Play podcast, your one-stop shop for all your sports and finance discussions. On today's episode, James and I are going to interview our good friend, Abe Momed, um, from Avon, Ohio. Abe is a black immigrant uh, with his family coming from Sudan. So we're going to talk to Abe a little bit about the U.S. social unrest, um, some of the injustices that are, have been coming to light recently. Obviously, a huge conversation. But we'll also uh, make things a little lighter. And we'll talk about the NBA returning to action July 31st. There's a 22-team format before we have a 16-team playoff all in Orlando, Florida. So we'll ask Abe some of his opinions there. And we'll also talk about his startup, Courtside Media, and what they're working on, uh, a lot of big things. Um, after that, James and I will talk a little golf. Charles Schwab challenge this weekend. Uh, the PGA is back this weekend. And we'll also obviously talk about the stock market uh, as it is soaring. The NASDAQ, the tech-heavy composite, back at all-time highs, S&P 500 close. I mean, just rallying through this recovery. Um, very interesting stuff. Uh, but first, James, let's tell the people about a little fun fact, and then we'll give them our advertisement uh, after the fun fact. What's going on? Sure. And so I got to give credit to you on this one. Um, but you can... Just for those of you that don't know, you can save any website you want as an app on your iPhone uh, on the home screen. So you can literally, you know, basically go go to a site in Safari, click on the share button. And then uh, once you kind of have that held down or whatever, it pops up and it says you can add this to your home screen. Then it'll look like an app. And what will it do? Boom, you hit it. It'll take you right into Safari, open up that website. Uh, perfect for, you know, gambling addicts everywhere uh, and, and for other you know, yeah. purposes. Yeah, I was thinking porn addicts, like uh, like sm not 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 like me or you, but just it'd be a quick access. Um, definitely, yeah. I put my I put my I put my bookie site. Sorry about that. I put my bookie site. So Jeez, yeah, you can just click that. You click you click the app. <laughs> it was a joke. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad. It was a total Megan, joke. Glad right. Megan's not in the room for you. Or is she? Jeez. Oh no, she's she's right. She's right next to me. She's even out better. Of she's even not better. Okay. She's not paying attention. But uh, yeah. All right. Um. So that's the cool fun fact, guys. If you want to add uh, any website you want, basically as an app, there's like a shortcut rather than having to go to Safari and type in the website, you can do that. Cool little thing I found out. But uh, without further ado, guys, we're going to go into our advertisement, and then we're going to introduce uh, my buddy Abe. I uh, went to high school with him at St. Ed's. I uh, went to Ohio State with him, and now I'm working with him even actually at Courtside Media. So after this ad read, we'll get right into it, talking with Abe. And now we welcome in the founder of Courtside Media, my good friend, Ibrahim Momed. Abe Momed, how you doing, man? Welcome I'm to the podcast. Well. We're excited guys? to have you. Just we're good, ahead. Abe. We're good. Yeah. Thank you for having uh, me. What's your update? Where are you at right now? I'm in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, at my at my at my house, just in my room right now. Um, just been uh, using this quarantine time to really just strategize on Courtside and and uh build up sign, signing out some clients under management so it's been a, a fun time um and now i'm just ready to like get out and and, and get some productions going and shows going love that yeah. attitude Abe. love it um i was gonna say uh, frank you made the joke a little bit earlier before we got on the pod with Abe. but he's at the headquarters uh, of courtside media and you know court has done different things to different people but uh just like you abe i'm, I'm back in my old childhood bedroom too and uh uh, we're making the best of it, but ready to break out, like you said, uh, metaphorically yep. and literally. I, I, I totally feel that on uh, both counts. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll get a little more into courtside um, in a minute here with you, Abe. But first, you know, there's obviously a, a little bit bigger things going on in our country right mm-hmm. now. And, you know, uh, just kind of uh, along the lines of, you know, police police issues, you know, racial issues. Um, they've always been around, but, you know, obviously they've, they've taken a front seat now for sure. And I just want to know what your take is on everything going on in our country and, you know, how you felt kind of growing up in a black immigrant family in this nation yourself. Yeah, uh, me, uh, me, I'll start with me personally, but me personally growing up, um, I always grew up in the suburbs um, around a lot of uh, white people. So, like, um, the biggest thing is, like, I experienced racism mainly from, like, implicit bias and stereotypes driven by media that people would give me. So, like, um, a lot of times for me being, I was, like, the only black kid in AP and honors classes. So, like, a lot of people would look at me and be like, you're white because um, I was more educated, per se, than than what, like, the typical uh, what people perce- what people's perception of black people is. So like growing up, um, it was just, you know, experience a lot of different racism and like different slurs given to me because I was uh, black in a white neighborhood uh, and mainly because people's perceptions of black people was ignorant and it was driven mainly by media and not by their personal interactions with people. Um, so now with everything going on, I love everything going on right now. I think um, this country, the fa- I look at everything as like a building. And, and so the foundation of this country is built on racism. And so right now with everything going on, we are starting to open that up and exploit it. And this is just the beginning of it with police brutality. But um, as time goes on, you know, I think one, the timing is perfect because our generation is very proactive and we're very engaging with one another. Like we grew up connected to one another, mainly because the internet, but um, because of that, we're very connected and we see each other as one and we're very proactive in making change and believing in equality in a merit-based society more so than like a systemic race, systemic racism. And and, um, so Yeah. yeah, I just love what's going on now. And I just think, you know, this is just the beginning, but as things evolve and more protests are occurring, it'll it'll evolve and, and, and real change will happen um, from from a complete reform. Uh, and, and it'll become it won't ever become equal, I don't think, but it'll become more the, the gap will bridge. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I, it has been really, you know, an amazing thing to see around our country and even around the world right now. I think it was all 50 states held different mm-hmm. protests and 22 other countries even uh, holding protests, you know, trying to stand up for Black Lives Matter and, and different things, you know, along these these lines, just preaching for, you know, equality, you know, economically, educationally, all these opportunities that, you know, every American does, you know, does deserve. So I, I totally agree. Yeah. I think it has been a cool thing. and You know, we are hopefully, you know, fixing that foundation, changing it. Uh, I like that word you use there. Um, that is a great take. Any any change you want to see, like specifically, I guess. Um, <clears throat> I don't think any change. I think change needs to come from the black community first. Um, the black community coming together as a as a collective. Um, just like I look at Jewish people, even though Jewish people got reparations after the Holocaust, they came together as a community. So, like the dollar would translate between Jewish people. Um, so black people more so supporting one another and uplifting one another 
um, is going to be how it happens. And like for me personally, I think if black people stop going into like the biggest form of generational wealth is real estate. And so black people stop renting in the projects and like, let's say, you know, they um, started purchasing mobile homes, which is uh, in their bandwidth. So mobile homes could cost from like 2000 to $30,000, but it's something that you own and you could leverage and put it up against the bank so that you can go and, be, and get granted loans to build a business yeah. or whatever the case may be, you put it up against something. So I just think like, um, you know, the change will come from one helping one another and supporting one another as a community um, by just translating the dollar from between uh, the race. And then the other part would be, you know, starting to own your homes and, and building yeah. generational wealth that way. I think that's, yeah, that's an interesting point. I like that. James, any, anything there? Yeah, I was going to say really well said, Abe. And uh, what I thought you said there was interesting. Um, you know, it'll come from the black community first. I would, I'd, I'd even say it's got to be a simultaneous thing where, where, you know, other cultures also kind of are making their own, um, changes or, 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 you know, adaptations in the way they think, because whether or not people like Frank and I know it to white, like privileged white kids from, from Westlake and everything, you know, we inherently, whether we, whether we, uh, admit it or, or even able to comprehend that it's something that I would always say is I'd push it under the rug because you know what, it didn't affect me. And it's like the fact that I can live unconsciously without having fear or anything like that uh, built into me. I think, you know, it's first of all, recognizing that. And the thing that's bothered me most is seeing all these stories that people have kind of, I think the one guy in the Indians, Delino DeShields brought one up about how, you know, he was driving in a Cadillac and that, that stereotyped him to get a ticket for blaring music too close to a restaurant or something like that. no way no way in hell would i ever get something like that uh against me but you know what it's it's the things like that when people are speaking up and bringing those to light uh, instead of sweeping them under the rug that's that's when i think you like you were saying it'll change the foundation so yeah and i think um just like a big thing like it's just implicit bias so like the media portrays these pictures of certain races and certain people and use a certain language and copyright towards them that even like, it's not like a white and black thing. Like black people even have implicit bias towards other black people, but that's just something that's just ingrained in one another through media and the perception driven by media of, you know, like when a black person is portrayed in media, they're called a thug or like associated with bad things that even like is conditioned in other black people to believe about other black people. So it's not like, you know, I think like the media also plays a huge hub in the the racism and driving the stereotypes yeah. and, and perceptions we have of different races and different people. Yeah, and I think that's just a, a definitely a product of like traditional media trying to, you know, sensationalize everything too. Um, Cause they are, most of those companies are for profit. Most of them have shareholders that they're trying to yeah. make happy. So it is those interesting yeah. things. That's the that's the thing about social media, like Twitter. It's you know it's decentralized individuals, and that's where you're getting your best information these days, um, which mm-hmm. is really interesting. But um, let's let's move on. I think from yeah. this this conversation that was a good talk though, and we just wanted to address that. That's obviously kind of the most important thing going on in our world today. Um, but some other important fun things, at least the NBA finals, the NBA playoffs, they're back. James, you want to give us a rundown yeah. of the new format? Uh, and we'll ask Abe some questions about uh, the NBA resuming. 
Sure. So it's, yeah, it's nothing too crazy um, in terms of the format that they went with. Uh, they basically said any team that was within six games of a playoff spot will come back and be eligible uh, to keep playing this season. And so that leaves 13 teams in the West and nine in the East for 22 teams total. Uh, the playoff structure will still be the typical eight from each conference, uh, but it's basically giving those teams that, you know, were on the outside looking in a chance uh, to, to maybe sneak into one of those final spots. Uh, so they're going to play eight regular season games when they restart uh, July 31st. Um, and basically, you know, they'll battle it out for that for those top eight spots. Uh, and after those eight games, they would typically go to a playoff scenario, and that's what they'll most likely do. However, if there is an eight and nine seed uh, with a gap less than four games, uh, they will have a little play-in tournament uh, where the eight seed will have the advantage, and they'll just have to uh, win one of two games to clinch the, the playoff berth for that number eight seed. So that's the only little wrench in the plan, which is interesting. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I almost wonder if that'll become an issue. I don't think so in the East. Uh, the only team that um, got it, like that number nine team is the Washington Wizards, and they were five and a half games uh, behind the Magic when, when they, we restart. So that's the only thing there. Um, in the Western Conference, it will be a little bit dicier. You got the Trailblazers, Pelicans, Kings, Spurs, and Suns, uh, all within six games of the eighth-seeded Grizzlies. Um, so that I think that's where you might see some of that unfold. Um, but overall, 22 teams, nothing. And again, I don't think any of those are championship caliber teams, Abe. And that's kind of what we no. wanted to ask you. Uh, first mm -hmm. and foremost, we'll start at the top. Who's your favorite to win it all this year? I know that's kind of a big question, but before, you, before we get into it, one of the one of the other big things was uh, it's in Orlando, Florida. It's in Disney World. Um, <laughs> it's it's a single location, neutral site every game. There's no home court advantage. Abe, who do you like in this NBA playoff format? I got to go with the Lakers. I just, I don't, I wouldn't bet against LeBron this year. I think LeBron, I think LeBron is very smart and he's looking at it like this might be his last year to win one. Um, and, and because like next year you got to think like teams are going to reload. The Warriors are back with a top five pick um, next year, uh, you know, and, and, and Andrew Wiggins now. So you know, the Warriors are back. The Clippers are only going to get better. Um, the Lakers, I loved how they were playing. I thought they were playing really hard. And had the season continued on, I wouldn't pick them. But I think this quarantine, like, played to LeBron's advantage because he got to rest. Um, so I really like the Lakers in this year, in this in this playoffs this year to win it. Uh, just mainly because you know I'm not I'm not going to bet against LeBron. Who do you think they? Who do you think makes it out of the East? Take them on the box. I think I like, Miami. I like the Heat. You like the Heat? Okay, that's oh, an interesting pick. The they have an interesting team. Uh, you know, obviously Jimmy Butler leading the way, but Bam Adebayo has become like an All Star. Um, Tyler Hero, the young guard, really interesting. Chris Dunn can shoot the three. Uh, Duncan Robinson, he shoots the three better than anyone in the NBA, pretty much. Mm -hmm. So they, they do have a weird team. The Miami Heat. Yeah, they got Iguodala at the trade deadline. Uh, former Finals MVP. So yeah. I like the Heat as a as a random pick out of the East. Um, any other sleeper? Uh, James, what do you like out of the East? I think you're a... I, yeah, I'd, I'd be lying if I said there were no bias in this, but I'm, I'm all aboard the Bucks train. I like, uh, I like mm -hmm. Giannis rolling, steamrolling through that conference. Um, do I think they're head and shoulders better than everybody else? No, by no means. I think there are yeah. going to be some bumps along the road. And obviously they, they did get uh, quite a big bump, you know, last year in the Celtics. Um, 
roughed them up a little bit. But what mm-hmm. I would say is I, I do have a futures bet that it'll be Bucks Clippers. And so that's what I'm cheering for. And so, yeah, with some bias, that's what I think will happen. I mean, I said at the beginning of the year, I'm ready to stand by it. Uh, that being said, the Lakers, obviously, I think it's Lakers or Clips in the West. And, yep. uh, and then, uh, you know, the Heat's an interesting take. I don't know if they're quite there yet, but hey, I, I, uh, I know, I know Abe, he's a basketball guy. I got to respect that opinion out of him. And um, so, no, it, what, in terms of sleepers, Abe, is there anyone that sticks out to you? I think uh, sleepers come in the, the East. I think the West, like you said, is going to be their LA, an LA team. Um, the East, I like. Um, I'm not going to sleep on Boston, and I'm not going to sleep on um, Philly. the Raptors. No, I don't, I don't think Philly gets it. I, I love, I think the Raptors are the Spurs of the East, the old Spurs. But like Nick Nurse has done a really great job of bringing that Spurs culture. Yeah, the Raptors, the yeah, they have a better win percentage this year than last year with, with Kawhi yeah. Leonard. As, you know, that's when they won the title, obviously. They're the defending champs. Um, two seed right now in the East as things stand. So yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, you don't like any sleeper in the, the West? How about this stat, Abe? You'll like this. The second most wins in the NBA since Thanksgiving, the most is the mm-hmm. Bucks. The second most is the five seed in the West right now, the Oklahoma City Thunder, led by really? Chris Paul. Yeah. They're playing some, they've been playing some good basketball. Um, right now they'll, they'll draw the Jazz in round one, which is, I think is favorable. Um, you know, the mm-hmm. Rudy Gobert-Donovan Mitchell relationship is still torn. Uh, because yep. of the beginning of this whole coronavirus pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be any, like, big storyline that you want to follow. Um, I guess, like, they're going to be in hotels and stuff, right? Just in Disney World, all these guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'll be yeah. interesting to see. I think it might – I think it'll help their chemistry, team's chemistry. I think, like, the teams with the veterans, it's really going to help them um, with, with their chemistry. But um, I don't. I don't see any – issues per se with that i actually like that a lot just because they'll be in a centralized location with one of their all times so they could always be you know um like let's think about like you know if we had that advantage in high school like wouldn't you or these are professional players but wouldn't you always be you know if you had some questions or like wanted to go talk to your teammate or whatever you could just you're a knock away pretty much so like you could watch film together you could strategize you know, you have all that time together now. There might be some wild stories, though. I don't know. There, there will be. There will be. <laughs> two, can I? Yeah. Two, two quick things from me. I, I think the one sleeper that we forgot to talk about, and while we're talking about Orlando, is the Magic. They're the eighth seed in the East. They say no home court mm-hmm. advantage. Uh, they're these guys are going to be playing with their families uh, not too far away. You know, they'll be in those hotels. But uh, <laughs> just got to acknowledge that. I mean, they're holding on to that eighth seed right now. Um, but uh, I, I think there's – I don't really love their talent all that much, but yeah, tell me tell me in a seven-game series, you get a, uh, somebody playing out of a hotel that they're not familiar with. Give me Aaron Gordon, well, they're, Markel Fultz. They're going to be playing your Bucks in the first round. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah just hey. They're not getting swept. All right. I'm telling you that. Hey. How about so if they're gonna do I think they're gonna do testing like before each game for each player. I'm not sure if that's exactly mm-hmm. correct, but and if a player fails, they have to at least quarantine for a week, I think was the rule. But mm-hmm. do you think a player will fail a COVID nineteen test at some point in this in this like whole it's, it could take a couple months, right? Yeah. Um I think someone will fail. 
<laughs> they're they're in there for three months, or two months. Yeah, I think somebody like will fail. Somebody will fail. I think. I think. Yeah. I'll, I'll, if I was betting, I, I would bet on that. What are you guys betting? I don't. I bet that they'll be a fail. Yeah, I don't think that's that crazy of a like. It might not even be a player. It could be a staff member or something like that that could get it. Um, and I I don't think that's crazy probability wise when you've looked around uh, all the other sports leagues in Europe, um, especially like some of the soccer leagues. You'll see like oh five positive tests out of you know one one or two teams. And so I don't think yeah. that's a crazy concept. Uh, obviously, that there needs to be some precautions in line. Uh, and I think the the NBA is kind of taking that into account, but the whole the whole world's kind of put that on the back burner with all of the uh, you know civil unrest and social issues that. And I don't mean that the coronavirus is over because I think there are people proclaiming no, that. It's, and I it I is on really, the back burners for a lot I, of people. And I really I I really don't believe that it is over. So I I think overall I, I think people are going to be a little too lackadaisical. Might see a guy try to sneak out of a hotel. Uh, you know, call one of his you know ladies. Fly him down to Orlando. I, some people have like, good luck charms. I don't know. I I'm not speaking like I know any of the guys, but I've I've read some stuff. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then so yeah, no. Let me let me stop talking. I'll, I'm any 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 I'm final a, any final NBA playoff thoughts, Abe? Before we go into courtside. No, you're just excited no, to watch LeBron. I'm excited to watch the the. I'm excited to watch basketball again. I miss sports. Uh, I'm like really excited for this playoffs. Like I think it's gonna be really cool. It's gonna be Everyone real fun. Same city, yeah. I think very competitive. We're all pumped up for it. I mean, any sports, like a little lick. We got golf coming up this weekend. That alone has me excited. But basketball in general, uh, it'll be good after yeah. March Madness is ripped away from us. I do quickly right before we go into courtside. I need to correct myself uh, as as a uh, podcast host. I don't like to spew misinformation, and I did uh, a couple minutes ago. I said the Bucks were given trouble by the Celtics last year. What was I thinking? Obviously, they they took them down, but it was the Raptors that knocked the Bucks out last year. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. They, some people called that a choke job last year, but I I think this year they are the, the talent gap's a little wider this year. They are a better team than they were a year ago. So that being said, I just yeah. have to correct myself. Sorry, that was a little selfish, but now we've, uh in the direction we were headed uh, with courtside media. I know Frank's involved with it a little bit, but here I am, a th- third party observer, not knowing much about it. Uh, tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about. You know the company's story and uh, the history behind it. Uh, you know anything like that? Because I know I know you've been a man of business for a little while, and, and you know this is this is the newest venture, the one that that's going to take the world by storm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I appreciate that. Uh, so Courtside Media, uh, we're a digital media management company for successful athletes, entertainers, uh, businessmen, and women. Um, so. We help our clients through three verticals, video production, e-commerce, and social media management. Um, so with video production, really what we've, uh, a lot of our, we, we found is a lot of high influence people have show ideas, but they don't, um, that they want to produce, but they don't have a designated place that they can go to, to sell those ideas for them. So what we do is we become that arm for them where um, we sign them on under management, we work with them on an idea they want to develop, and we take it from uh, the ideation phase to the product phase, and 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 with the end goal of selling it to a network and getting on a network show. Um, and you know, the the network just depends on um, the 
the storyline. So like if it's a big story, we might go shop it to a big network like a Netflix or Hulu. But if it's smaller, we might go to like a player's tribute uninterrupted, whatever the case may be. But um, that's what we do on that end. We uh, e-commerce, we help them build up their e-commerce business, create passive income. And then um, if they have a low following and they need social media management, we will become that arm that'll post for them every single day. Um, so, you know, been doing this for two and a half years now. Um, and really, I, I call this, we've, we've launched and relaunched three times. Um, so <laughs> the story behind it was um, really started two and a half years ago. Um, so I'll backtrack. I took, so it started at Ohio State. I took a class with Eddie George as a professor. Um, and Eddie was talking about leveraging, uh, the premise of the class is leveraging your brand as an athlete. And so each week um, would be, would come a prominent speaker from the uh, sports industry. So like we had Troy Vincent of the NFL. And so I, I linked up with him there and that's how I got a job with the NFL. We had Maverick Carter come in. We had uh, Fred Whitfield, the owner of the, the co-owner of the Hornets with Michael Jordan. Um, Bo Jackson came in and we just had like, it was each week, like, you were just in for a show. So um, uh, athletes came in. And so when I got my job with the NFL, that really alarmed Eddie. Um, and then I was working on this media thing where I wanted to get into storytelling. And so Eddie approached me um, basically and was like, um, hey, I, I need some help with my wealth management firm. Um, I need to bring it, build more awareness towards it. So I was like, hey, I have this media thing. Um, let, let's partner up. And so we'll tell a story. So the first, he became our first client. And, and so we told a story with him and Jerome Baker, um, two years ago. And so to backdrop with that, I had to, um, uh, I, because I wanted to get this out, I funded the project. So like to fund the project, it was finals week. I still remember it was like March 28th, um, so basically I needed to come up with money for it. And my, my, my dad had went to Sudan um, to, to visit his family for three weeks. And basically he had no one to take over his job. And his job, he's a, he's a wholesaler. So he drives a truck from uh, Cleveland to Detroit, picks up produce from a bunch of warehouses, goes to, drives back to Columbus and has a bunch of stores that he distributes the produce to. Um, so I, uh, so when he was gone, I decided I'm going to do that to make money. So, um, what I did was I, well, he, he, he does this in two days, but I had to do it in one day because I had finals and class and everything. So, um, I rented a Penske truck, never drove a Penske before. Um, and I got up at 3 AM on Wednesdays and would drive from, from Columbus to Detroit get there at 6 a.m., go to a bunch of warehouses, pick up all the produce, uh, get done at 12, go to Columbus, get there by 3, and then um, go around to each store and distribute the produce, and I'd be done by 11. But I did that for three, three and a half weeks, uh, or four weeks, sorry. And once I did that, I had enough money to pay for the production. The bootstrap. Uh, yeah, so that, that was it. and then. Uh, fast forward, that was like my first ever experience with video production. Fast forward the next year, we, we did something big on a bigger scale with Mike Weber and Eddie George. Um, and, and, uh, 
the whole premise of that was to use that to sell it to sponsorship, to to brands and to a network. Um, ultimately, with COVID, it didn't sell, but um, it was it was a high production um, video that we were able to use to now um, go and, and and show it to clients that were signing on to be like, hey, we can produce high quality product. Um, so from that, what stemmed was uh, the sale didn't happen, but I got connected to Ross Smith and Gangster Granny, um, who are social media comedians with over 24 million followers across all platforms. Yeah. So watch Gangster like, Granny, guys. Go watch her. She's hilarious. Yeah. Um, so, uh, by the way, we're in launch two now. Um, so, <laughs> but, um, so, got linked up with them. I started managing them in May. May 1st was my first day. Uh, um, we went to Roman Atwood's house. We created a viral video that day. It was amazing. And uh, so was with them for nine months. Um, and basically, like, it was crazy. I got to learn the media game from Columbus, Ohio, which is unheard of. Um, and so, like, I'd be on calls with Snapchat, Facebook, TikTok. Um, it w- and then, like, we would go, we went to the New York Stock Exchange. We went to People Magazine. We went to... Um, Thrillers, just places I couldn't even imagine I'm in, um, we were going to. And so did that for nine months. And that really helped me build up my confidence and know that like I'm, I could be really good at this media game. And then, um, you know, starting in March was phase three. And that's when I was like, okay, I can't be dependent on Ross and Granny. I have to leverage them to go get more business. So um, that w- that's when we added in Frank to the team. Uh, and Frank's been a big help. Um, so, uh, he, he's, he's been a genius. I've been trying to get Frank for five years now. Um, <laughs> and, like, he wouldn't come with me, but, uh, finally now, you know, we're finally together. And then, um, <laughs> all it took was now a global pandemic. All it took was a global yeah, pandemic to get him on board. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, now we're in phase three and now phase three is we found that, a lot of people have shows, but they don't have a place to go. So what we're doing is signing people under management to become their sales team per se and sell those shows for them and de- develop and sell them for them. Um, so now we've signed on a couple of w- WNBA players. We got a couple signings that just happened today that we'll be happy to announce shortly that we're very excited about. Um, and yeah, so, you know, really excited about this time let's go we think um you know we're ready to really take off this time well abe i think it's it's more than apparent with just the backstory there uh it's something that i've always known since i've met you that you have that drive uh but i think it's more even more apparent to the listeners after hearing you know the fact that you're willing to get behind the the uh penske truck you know those things are no joke and and get up that early in the morning (laughs) grind like that uh you got it you got to grind like this to shine like that, I think was the, uh, the phrase. Uh, what rapper? I don't want to steal his thunder, but I'll, I'll, it, it was. Okay, good. Um, so so regardless, I was just going to say, um, you know, any business uh, persistence, there, there's some sort, some sort of story of persistence, and yours is more than a parent mm-hmm. already. Uh, so big things to come, Frank. Uh, and I know you now that you're involved, obviously even higher things are expected, as Abe was alluding to. <laughs> yeah, yeah Abe, I, was, 
Frank's a genius. I'll be t- t- no, I'm, not, I'm not a genius. I'm not a genius. Stop. Um, I was going to ask you though, Abe, what's the goal for courtside? You know, I don't know if I, I sometimes doubt you in what, in what the plan is, but I, I, I like to push you to, you know, really think about it. So what is the goal for courtside? You know, looking five years down the line, where do you want this to be? I'm on, on um, launch number seven. <laughs> yeah. So um, really what we're doing is we're going to position ourselves as a tech company. Um, so what we're finding is like each company, like this, the CAAs of the world, the um, uninterrupted, so they all have uh, their own sales team that sells shows for them, but they can only sell, it's manualized. So it's through phone calls. Like they look at a show and they're like, okay, we like that one. Then they start making calls like the HBOs, blah, 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 to sell them. Um, so what we're going to create is a centralized marketplace where people can come in uh, with ideas and it'll streamline it for them. So like we're just taking out, um, we're, just, we're taking out that middle part of making the phone calls and people could just put in their ideas. We'll have a team create the uh, pitch for them and then it'll sell it for them. It'll shoot straight to the network and sell it to them. Um, so instead of like, Right now, what goes on is uh, people have ideas, but they don't know where to go. They might go to like uninterrupted CAA, ICM, whatever company to sell for them. But all those companies might say no. And then people just give up on their dream of of bringing this project to fruition. But there might be a company out there, a media company out there that's willing to pick this up and and, and fund the project. So what we're going to create is just a centralized marketplace where all these networks live. And these ideas shoot to every single network, um, and 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 they can, and then they, then they pick, they decide if they want to pick it up or not. That makes sense. And, and you'd also, you kind of want to. I know you said it before. You want to build a big, you know, entertainment scene around Columbus, around Cleveland, Ohio, and the Midwest. Even, I know that's a big goal. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I think uh, we obviously want to position ourselves as a, as a multi-billion-dollar company in a, in a couple in five years. But uh, I think the challenge we're taking on is um, trying to build an entertainment scene in Columbus. And, and you know, entertainment is known in L.A. and in New York. And, you know, Frank will attest, like, all of our calls are, you know, with companies there. Um, and so we believe that we can build an entertainment scene and bring that domain where, you know, Columbus and the Midwest is known for insurance, agriculture, healthcare. Uh, but not known for entertainment. And we believe that we can bring that to a city. And so we, uh, not only are we trying to build a media company, but we're trying to prove that you can, you don't need to be in certain areas to build certain companies and, and brings, but you can bring those industries to areas. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. James, anything you want to ask him? No, I, I want to just say, I wish you nothing but the best of luck, Abe. I think the, the wheels are there. The wheels are turning. It's just a matter of, uh, the open road presenting itself. And right now, uh, kind of with the coronavirus hopefully winding down, as everyone has it on the back burner, I think uh, you're going to be able to fly on the highway to success uh, from here on out. So yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, I love this podcast. I'm uh, always listening. Um, just, you know, uh, I'm a big critiquer. I'm glad that you guys listened to my feedback and, and fixed your bitmojis because Frank's was very <laughs> off. From- <laughs> it looked like Why the James that off, man. <laughs> the Frank's right, hairstyle. Whatever, whatever, uh, whatever yeah. Abe. Whatever. I'm excited to see you guys. Consistency and uh, just keep it up on this end.
Yeah, we appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, we hope you stay safe. Have a good one. And uh, I'll, I'll talk to you tomorrow more about courtside. Sounds good. All right. Take care, Frank. Take care, James. Our first guest in a couple episodes, Abe, it was a pleasure to have him on uh, with us, Frank. Um, and now I think, you know, we can talk about some of the more lighthearted stuff, but I'm glad we addressed some of the issues that we did with him. And, you know, it's a perspective that neither of us is going to ever be able to understand or have. So, so glad to have him on and then talk about a little bit of his ventures. Um, we already talked NBA though, Frank, so I think we can kind of breeze over that for now. Uh, that'll be starting the end of July, like we said. Uh, but the big news this upcoming week, we said the PGA is back. Uh, the Charles Schwab Challenge taking place in Fort Worth, Texas at uh, Colonial Country Club. And, and that's the uh, the rumor on the streets is it is hot in Texas. Uh, people, obviously, you would think it'd be hot in Texas, but like very much so this week. Uh, temperatures probably in the 100 degree. I was taking a look at the, uh, the AccuWeather, uh, if you will. That's that's my site. I don't really use Apple Weather anymore myself. Um, but they're playing at the Colonial Country Club. And last year, you said the winner was Kevin Na. Is that right? Yep, Kevin Na won last year, 13 under through through last year. Pretty good, pretty good uh, score. But the favorite this week, James, your guy Rory McIlroy, plus six fifty um, to win the whole tournament. That's a decent value. He he was playing the best golf on tour when the the coronavirus halted the season. And as the world's top ranked player, he's a he's a pretty big favorite at. at uh, Colonial this weekend, but there's a, you know, obviously a plethora of guys. Most of the guys are playing this weekend. I don't know if Tiger is, but I know John Rahm, world number two, and Justin Thomas are right behind McElroy on the odds board. And uh, I kind of like a guy, Tony Finau, to perform well. He came in second last year, um, hits the ball far. Um, I think he'll be fine in the warm weather. So I'm not, I think, I think I might go with uh, just like a random pick on him or something. I don't know. I, I think, what, what do you have on the, the country club? Finau has some pretty good. Good value. I think he's at the plus eighteen hundred or plus twenty five, maybe even more so. Kepka's at plus twenty five hundred. I know that. Um, but Fort Fort Worth has become the hot spot for golf, and many people have mentioned, you know, the fact that we're restarting the season here. Um, it's it's a tournament that doesn't always get the top stars, but this year we're getting them. Uh, the course is actually known as Hogan's Alley because uh, legendary uh, golfer Ben Hogan, him and the course's founder, uh, were lifelong friends. And Hogan actually won at Colonial five times in his career, including his last victory at age 46. Uh, that doesn't give you much about the course, but just a little bit of the history behind it. Uh, regarding the course, there is a 247-yard par, 247 par-3, hole number four. It's the only par-3 that has not been aced at the country club, uh, at least you know to our knowledge. But yeah, wow. that's, I guess that's to be expected. Maybe this weekend. Maybe this weekend. Maybe. Um, Guys, hit 247 they have to hit their like three woods almost into that maybe the like you would i would you would i don't even think i'd get there no i don't think we'd get there with three woods you'd really have to crank an iron but some of these guys on the tour these days frank i I don't know if you've seen their muscles i certainly have uh um so that i think it's gonna be (laughs) i'm just saying these guys are ripped these days like you certainly have seen their muscles yeah (laughs) The, okay, fine. Don't read into that. What do you mean? Like, I'm gonna, <laughs> I've never owned the the body issue of ESPN. Uh, but you know, you see stuff on Twitter. I think Kepka's the guy that I was thinking of. Him and uh, I mean, McElroy is also pretty well built himself. The point there <laughs> is, um, 
I think they could reach the green there. It's a matter of I don't think it's not an easy one to hole in one. The the odds for a hole in one at all during the tournament, any hole, uh, it's like minus one twenty five yes, uh, minus one oh five no. Um, so I don't know the exact history on this. It it is statistical that there's usually like one hole in one during a tournament. Um, but that being like each weekend on average, yeah, like in in the PGA, and it is a wide field, which is why you're getting like really good value on a guy like Kepka. You're not going to see him at plus twenty five hundred most weekends. Um, so you you can take a look at that. And in terms of what I would bet on, I, I am not going to have a ton of bets before um, the week the tournament starts. I have one on Victor Hovland, uh, the the best amateur at the the Masters last year. He's a young guy. I took him at plus six thousand because what the what the hey, um, but I more so I don't know how people trained over their quarantine. I obviously would think these golfers were getting out hitting balls somewhere somehow, but I just don't know who's going to come out yeah. on top on, on round one. So I think maybe after I watch Thursday, um, might put something out there you know before Friday morning's tee off. But odds are it'll be I want I want to see who makes the cut first and foremost. I did actually now that I think about it. I did place a little on Patrick Reed not to make the cut, uh, just because he's fun to play against. <laughs> uh, I think it was like plus two thirty that he doesn't make the cut. Uh, so you know, sprinkle a little here, sprinkle a little there. Um, but yeah, the uh, Colonial Country Club will be all eyes on it. Uh, Jim Nance was even talking about how big it'll be. Um, he said he's bringing his A game this weekend, so everyone will be uh, tuned in, especially on Sunday, uh, without too much else going on. I'm I know I'm pumped for it. You know, we were talking about being pumped for basketball earlier. I just, I'm, I'm, I've been golfing so much lately. I want to see good people do it instead of me and my friends. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for golf too. I've been playing a bunch, um, so definitely excited to watch the pros do it and show me a thing or two. But uh, something that's not coming back yet, still, James, and we have talked about the MLB. Um, not, not much progress I'm seeing, right? Not a ton. I mean, there's just counter proposals on counter proposals. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Passan, the Solon grad himself has been, uh, you know, reporting his ass off, uh, without any sign of an actual, uh, agreement. Him and John Heyman are my two go-to guys watching this. Uh, but then to name one third baseball source I trust is Tim Kirkjian. Uh, I just love how funny he is, whether he understands it or not. Uh, he's been doing some like commentary coming in as a guest on the uh, KBO, the Korean baseball organization. And so the announcers kind of just make fun of him, and he takes it really well. Uh, but he he says a sourcey <laughs> trust uh, says there will be sixty games in the season. Uh, the latest proposal I think said uh, seventy six or something in that range. But they are dead set on ending the season September twenty seventh to not alter the postseason schedule. So there there's a good chance they're going to jam pack everything in August first uh, to um, September twenty seventh. So you're going to see about two months, close to sixty games where. You know, they might have some double headers incorporated or whatnot. As for the finances, which we've talked in the past, Frank, uh, the MLB's counterproposals have still hovered around players only earning about 35% of their salaries. Um, and, and, you know, the way we had been talking about it, they'd been, they would be playing about half the game. So doing 50% of the work for 35% of their salaries. I think there's a magic number in there that's not 35, it's not 50. Uh, they're going to come to an agreement of some sort. Rob Manfred promised baseball will be back this year he just said that you know hours before we're recording this so it's going to happen it's just going to be a matter of you know what is that magic number and uh, i think somebody's going to have to take the hit it'll probably be the players i think it'll be probably closer uh you know under 40 percent of their total contracts but 
one way or another, we're getting yeah. it back. Speaking of finance, speaking of finances, your finances are taking a tick up. Um, betting on that Korean baseball. I have been. I've been throwing. You know, it's fun because they start at like five thirty in the morning. So you wake up, grab. Uh, I'm not a coffee guy. I just grab a nice ice water, and uh, I sit in front of the TV for a little bit, watch the you know last two or three innings of the game, and uh, the NC Dinos are <laughs> rolling. Uh, tops in the league have about a four game lead um, in the standings. Um, and yeah, they've been treating me well. They had six straight games where they covered the run line. Uh, and I was on four out of the six, I believe. So, and then they lost last there we year. go. So the, 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 uh, the effort or not the momentum has halted, uh, but it's just a, you know, quick downswing for a big upswing. So they're going to, they're going to roll through yeah. the season. Yeah. Quick downswing for a big upswing. You know, what that kind of sounds like the market James. <laughs> wow. Not playing. Let's move right in. Not playing there. Yeah, not planned at all. But let's talk about it. The stock market is on fire. I mean, if you're a Robin Hood noob, you're, you've been making a lot of money lately. That's what everyone's saying. Um, but yeah, following last week's rallies, ads, the S&P 500 has erased any losses for the year. Uh, it closed last week up 5%, just a few, I think 6% off the February record high. Um, and yeah, basically since those March lows, we have risen 43%, which is just an incredible incredible bounce and you know there's still that obviously a huge uncertainty looking forward but there was a big jobs report last week and also you know um the federal reserve just you know kind of being that support to the to the economy and to the market is is what's keeping everything up uh, even the nasdaq actually is at all-time highs you know the tech heavy nasdaq uh so it's just yeah it's very interesting i don't know what, what are your take what's your take here you know what? Maybe I slept on it too much and missed out, but I, I don't really regret the way I've kind of approached this whole thing. And I still think I'm going to hold to next earnings season, seeing a little bit of a dip. Um, I, but the what I will say, just to remark on the Robin Hood noobs comment, the memes are getting out of control. I'm loving it. Uh, there's, <laughs> like, there's like pictures of kids in basements at sleepovers, like with each one of them having like a trader profile to them. I wish I had like could display that tweet, but it's like, Alex is 10. He's got $400 as assets under management. His returns in the past month over like 80% yeah. or something like that. A, 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 annualized 1,582% returns. <laughs> so I'm getting a kick out of that. Um, again, I still have not been heavy into it myself, the market, um, but obviously there's money to be made out there as uh, you know, everybody's, I don't even know what to call him. Dave Portnoy has certainly let people know he's been making money on there. Uh, his late yeah. comments bashing Warren Buffett saying, I'm not saying I had a better career because he's one of the best to ever do it, but I'm the new breed. I'm the new generation of trader. Uh, and you cannot argue that he's better at the stock market than I am right now. I'm better than he is. That is a fact. I, I don't think that's a fact. I'm just going to go out there and say it. I've, I've heard enough of Portnoy's Dave, Dave the day trader. Yeah, I actually, I maybe day trading global. I'll admit it, my bias there. I can't stand the guy, to be honest with you. And I think he feeds, <laughs> he feeds off that, so I don't even give him the time of day usually. But this this quote was a little bit too much for me to handle. Um, good for him. I'm glad he's taking advantage of literally the largest bull market run. Uh, I what since '87? Did we say that? Yeah, it, it literally has been. He's yeah, I don't know. the exact right time. Good for him. Yeah, I, I think it's funny. Um, he like will tweet the like net worth, uh, like celebrity net worth thing, and he'll like give them an update like every other day, like once a week. 
Like, hey, update, I'm worth 118 million now, more than more than last week. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, good for you, Dave. But that is funny. I mean, yeah, he's just the epitome of it all. I mean, the market is an interesting thing. Um, it doesn't seem like it's following fundamentals because, um, you know, the economy is definitely going to struggle. But there, there is some reassurances, and that's why it's bouncing. And you know, people, people are wanting to buy stocks. So it'll be interesting to see what what happens going forward. But you know, it's not something you want to bet against right now. Momentum is a strong thing. Um, maybe we could see an all time high in the S and P five hundred in the next week or two. Who knows? I'm not. You like you said. I'm not betting against it. I wanted to take some put options. I'm holding off. Um, you know, until further notice. Did you? Did we talk enough about the Fed yet? Um, or do we want to quickly? No, I didn't, I didn't talk too much about them. All right. They just, they're not raising rates. Exactly that. Um, they basically stated their interest today at a meeting uh, that they will not have any plans to raise them through 2022. Um, so for those in the market looking for a car, a house, something like that, obviously that's not the exact rate. But that being said, they're all related to that sense. So good time to do all that for a while as they continue to bolster what they, they're calling um, you know, an economy, economy that has been um, beaten down a little bit by the coronavirus. So uh, their goal is to avoid longer run damage to people's lives through long states of unemployment uh, or to their businesses through um, I didn't, uh, unnecessary insol insolvency, whatever that means. That, that being said, they're basically upholding bankruptcy. Yeah, they're basically upholding their dual mandate of trying to limit unemployment and get inflation to a... Uh, you know, their goal of 2%. So nothing, nothing really yeah. crazy news wise there. Yeah. I got one tidbit before we'll, we'll move on to our buy or sell. And it's the, the bankruptcy thing that hurts. This is just a great example. Hurts the car rental company. They declared bankruptcy like a week ago. If you would have invested $10,000 after they declared bankruptcy uh, in their stock, uh, you would have made like over a hundred thousand dollars. They like, like just went crazy. All the Robinhood day traders were buying up Hertz in bankruptcy, which is interesting. Um, doesn't make a lot of sense, but let's move on now, Zaj. Buy or sell? Um, what do we got first? So I think this is just interesting, and, and we've talked enough about the coronavirus, but this will be the last time we mention it this episode. Um, Dr. Fauci, we're, we're just doing a buy or sell, you know, the quotes from two different people. Uh, Dr. Fauci, the pandemic is far from over. Are you buying that? Or what about the World Health Organization? That asymptomatic, asymptomatic people that are infected won't spread it. Uh, they've since gone back on that statement a little bit. Who are who are you buying in that scenario? They're kind of butting heads with one another. I'm bu I'm buying both of them. Maybe is that possible? It is. It is, especially now that the World Health Organization's gone back on that, saying you know what, it was a very small study or whatever. So they very much still could be. Uh, but a lot, you got a lot of people out there calling it a hoax again. I mean, I just think with the, you know, we talked about it a little bit with Abe, honestly, how the, how the media tries to like spread fear and just deliver messages. The pandemic is definitely far from over. There'll be, there'll be media stories about it for, for years, I think, until we have a vaccine officially, even, even when we have a vaccine, people say it doesn't work. You know, there'll be, there'll be obviously fear spread throughout, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, the market's saying the market's kind of saying, you know, the asymptomatic infected won't spread. I feel like yeah, that's what the stock market's saying. Yeah. And I'm not really listening to the stock market. I think the stock market's hammered right now, to be honest with you. So <laughs> I, I, too, I too, too many in. It, yeah. It's like me last Saturday. Believe me. Um, <laughs> so I, that's my take on it. So I'm going to kind of sell the fact that 
um, it won't spread again. I think we will see some some more uh, some more action, if you will. But no, it's actually hard for me to not like feel bad for people because there are so many cases of when I say so many, there's only, there's a handful that I've seen touted as oh they didn't know they had any underlying conditions and you know people have lost loved ones and stuff like that. Um, so it's it's really hard to make too many jokes about when there has been over a hundred thousand deaths, no matter what they would be yeah. into. I'm not a doctor by any means, but that being said, I just think it's a little too soon to be, you know, calling it over. That's just my take on it. Um, and then I think one more. Uh, I think that's a good take. Yeah. The other buy or sell was college textbooks. Um, I had to sign up for a, a summer course and I had to, you know, you pay for the subscription to get the textbook pretty much the online book. And I'm just, I'm not a fan, you know, if you pay tuition in college, I feel like that should just cover your classes, textbooks and, and whatnot, or whatever you need to buy for each class. Um, the worst is when you get a class and the teacher writes the book themselves, like the actual professor from your oh, school. Yeah. We had, I had, a couple, I had a couple of those at Ohio state. Um, and then they sell you the book and it's just got profit in their pockets. I'm like you're already getting paid, you know, six figures from the university as a tenured professor. You know what that's but, called? Recurring revenue, baby. What a concept. I, yeah. I tip yeah. So like I'm selling, <laughs> I'm selling the concept of college textbooks, but you have to buy them. That's the thing. There is, and not to make light of it in any regard, but uh, there's systemic race racism in our country. There's systemic, uh, I don't know the right word for it, uh, unfairism to uh, college students with regards to those textbooks. I that's where that's where I'll give that to you, Frank. Very uh, yeah, unfair. I, very different pedestals, um, but good for you. You're going back uh, to get uh, the master's degree at, at the Ohio State University, so uh, you have yeah, to trying to become a master. A master of business administration. <laughs> That'll be you. Yes. Um, that's great. Between that, buying cars, you're all over uh, the map right now. Uh, what do you got? The strawberry is about to be the name of your car. How about that? Naming your car as a buyer sell. I'm going to sell it. Uh, I did not name my car, but you're, oh, what? you're thinking about it. Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm thinking I got a, a red Buick Encore, um, which looks like a, a CRV, kind of like a mid-sized uh, not really an SUV, but a uh, mid-sized car, and uh, it's red, so I was thinking the strawberry, uh, but it was also, I guess, previously owned by an old lady, so I'm thinking maybe like an old lady grandma name could be good for it, too. So I'm not, I'm not sold on strawberry, but that's just my thought, but I'm in on, on naming a car. I think that's a good, that's a fun thing to do. All right, uh, we'll agree to disagree. I think it lasts longer if you name it, too. You know, <laughs> I, I haven't seen a scientific study done on that, uh, but we'll. I'll just leave that as it is right now. Uh, who are you gonna Who are you gonna believe? The World Health Organization or Fauci or me? Nah, none of the above. None of that. <laughs> Having known you and, right. and them, uh, we'll we'll abstain. And we're gonna go into our song of the week at this point. Since I already, uh, for lack of a better term, fucked up uh, "Dreams and Nightmares" by Meek Mill earlier, the least we can do is uh, give him the song of the week uh, as he just dropped a track on last Friday, um, "The Other Side of America." That was a June 5th release, uh, and it's, he said it's one that's been in the works for a couple of years over, one, the systemic racism in the country, but also police br brutality. Just a lot of different messages in there, um, Frank. And I think, uh, one, he speaks his mind on it. He also spits fire, uh, as you'd expect. Nothing less from Meek Mill. He comes right out that at your first line. He goes, um, Mama, or I'm sipping a fuck. I'm already screwing it up. I can't. I screwed up a Meek Mill line earlier. I'm screwing up another one right now. Um, 
mama sipping a 40 mama let me sip a 40 or something i was still a shorty uh so he was young and drunk is that's that's how you can read that almost poetry um and uh he does use like a basically uses a, a trump clip or something to get started so obviously he's got his his uh thoughts in there um made them more than apparent i think he does make some good points but some very good rhymes i have to give that to him yeah, Meek, the Philadelphia product. Uh, Robert Rameek Williams is his full name. Um, he's about 10 years older than us, 1987 guy. Um, yeah, he's, he's always dropping fire, so I'm a big fan of uh, Meek Mill and this song. Um, I think it does hit a couple good chords, and uh, yeah, uh, I'm all for a little Meek Mill action as our song of the week. What do you want to leave the people with, Sag? Just going to say, you know, he's reporting live from the other side of America. I'm reporting live from my kitchen. I'm going to go eat dinner.